You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. We live in a world that seems to perpetuate fear. Have you noticed that? A sociologist, Barry Glasner, wrote a book called The Culture of Fear, which showed how we are the most worried, stressed, and fear-filled society in the history of mankind. Our life expectancies more have than doubled this century. We are able to cure all kinds of diseases more than ever. You could say that we've been the healthiest of all history, and yet no group has ever been as frightened and worried about their health than we are. And by the way, COVID has not helped. Some homes have produced a paranoia to their kids. Parents are afraid of abduction. I remember, Diana and I remember it really well. When Alicia walked away in uh, where we were shopping in West Edmonton Mall, it took us half an hour to find her. I tell you, wow. We found her inside the rot- uh, our coat racks, happy as a bug in a rug. It, it, was, it was terrible. Not many mums, though, when they're sending their children off to school, look at them and say, now take some risks today. Embrace danger. Rather, we say, watch out, be careful. Can't trust anybody. Results, I think, is that we teach our kids to be afraid. Last weekend, we talked about how God does not want us to live in a chronic fear. The cost of fear is far too high, and God's personal presence encourages us to face fear with His help. Today, we need to take a few more steps, as fear always involves choice and actions. Let's start off with what God's Word says to us today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41, 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Lord, we pray that today would be a great day for many of us that struggle with anxiety and fear. Reveal yourself. Touch your people. Commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we start today, I want, to, I want to recognize many of us who struggle with mental health issues that seem to complicate this. So let's let God's Word direct us today as we address this joy-stealing topic. First, we need to understand what fear is. Psychologists today call fear a self-correcting response, like hunger. When you feel hungry, you act on that. You eat something, you fix the problem, in other words, you, then you move on. The key is that you understand that last line, move on, because many people don't move on. They feel hunger, they fix it, they have a problem, they consider that they still have another problem, and what if sets in? What if I haven't got food next time? What, What if, what if, what if? The problem is that some psychologically unhealthy people get trapped right there and don't move on any action. Their negative thinking says to them, but what if I get hungry again? But what if I have no food? What if, what if? Worry takes the place of rational thinking, and often, most of the time in reality, there's no problem at all to fix, so we make this a cycling problem in our minds, and we live on a cycle of worry, anxiety, and fear. An illustration of this is a a simple sound system, and it's called feedback. This is when the sound comes into a microphone, goes out to an amplifier, through an amplifier to a speaker, and then the speaker into the room. And if it goes to the microphone again and speeds up and just gets in this cycle of chaos. Wow. 
we must stop the cycle by facing the problem and doing all that we can to fix it. And once we've done all that we can, then we leave the rest to God. He's with us. He said he'll help us. There we go. Now, some people, rather than face the problem, create distractions from the problem and they ignore their feelings. They work harder or use drugs or have another baby or change jobs. There's all kinds of ways we can distract us, just distract ourselves and never face our fears. When God says, do not be afraid, he's asking us not to run away from our feelings and fears, to, uh, to face, but, we're, but to face them and do whatever God is asking us to do in light of them. Our choice to act releases God's power to love in us and through us. Let's pause now and ask, what is an area of my life where I fear I'm holding back? To do that, you need to have some scripture. Psalm 139, starting in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the path of everlasting life. What offends God? is that often we don't ask him for help, even when he's ready and willing to help us. He wants to partner with us, but we're like a two-year-old. I want to do it by myself. Test me. The tests are often telling us how much we trust or don't trust God. Know my anxious thinking. We need to apologize for offending God because we've do, done things ourselves and not with him. And he wants us to do those kind of things. Commit to follow God's leading in the path that he calls us to walk in. So let's be silent for a few moments and ask God to point out, have we offended you? And if we have, apologize and act wisely as he directs us. Let's look at how the prophet Elijah dealt with his fear. Please, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings. Uh, chapter 17, 18, and 19, where Elijah is told by God to go and tell King Ahab, the king of northern Israel, and his awful queen, evil Jezebel wife, that there, will, that there will be no rain for the next three and a half years. Now, for most of us, that's not a big deal. But for King Ahab, you see, his god is called Baal or Baal. He's the god of rain and storm and prosperity. Yahweh was setting up a showdown about who is God and who's the imposter. This first picture I want you to see is Mount Carmel. And really, it's a mountain range, not just a simple mountain. You can see standing in the valley looking up at that mountain. The second picture is where they actually believe that the sacrifice was taken by Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The third picture is of the mountain itself. And that's where we climbed up and down a couple times when I was in Israel. The fifth one is a picture of the natural amphitheater as it would have been. Elijah was up top where this picture was taken, talking to the people of Israel down in the, in the amphitheater. Right now it's covered with olive trees and those kind of things. And lastly is the Kishon Brook. There's a picture of it there. This is where the 850 prophets of Baal uh, were killed by Elijah. In chapter 18, that showdown was set up to happen upon Mount Carmel to be like some sort of spiritual Super Bowl of who is the true God and who is absolutely a fake. The prophets of Baal went first. They offered their sacrifice of and see if fire would fall from heaven. And to their dismay, he prayed and danced and went on and on, but nothing happened. Nothing happened, of course, because Baal is not tr the true God. Elijah mocked the Baal priests during their sacrifice time because praying to Baal was nothing more than praying to a rock. 
the, the prophets of Baal cut themselves and marched around and sacrificed and did whatever they could do, but nothing. Because Yahweh is God and Israel needed to relearn this lesson even to this day today. Chapter 18 tells us how Elijah set up an altar to the Most High God, Yahweh, and then he prayed this verse. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are a God of Israel and that I am your servant and have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me, Lord, so these people will know that you are the Lord and our God and that you are turning their hearts back to them. Then the fire of God fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell on their face and cried, the Lord, Yahweh, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Wow, what an event. Then Elijah commanded them, the people, to seize the prophets of Baal, not let any of them get away, take them down to the Kishon Valley brook and, sh and slaughter them. And so the so-called God of Baal was defeated and destroyed for a time. Now let's see Elijah's response to leading this amazing spiritual event in chapter 19, verses 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judea, he left his servant there. And all that happened that day, Yahweh is proven to be the true God and Elijah was proven to be God's anointed prophetic leader. But what happens next is puzzling. An amazing prophet runs like a chicken all the way to Beersheba, like it says, in southern Israel. He got alone, it says in verse 3. Just stop for a second. He got alone. That's one of the silliest things we do. And most of us, it's men who do this. Rather than let our friends know that we're hurting or troubled or something's going on or we're emotional about something, we run away and we send people away. Don't turn away people who are your friends and family. Stay connected with people. And getting alone is usually the end of some of us. Verse 4 and 5, While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. Wow. I've had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under a bush and fell asleep. He prayed to die. He was absolutely discouraged, and things must have felt hopeless for him. I'm no better than my godless fathers before me, he said. Self-bashing and fear and anger turned on himself and depression and hopelessness. Eli, I, I, I think Elijah was simply tired out. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. The rotten Green Bay Packers uh, coach Vince Lombardi said that. And it's true. And that's why God brought him bread and water by an angel. An angel gave him this food. Three times he kind of woke him up on the last two and you need to eat more. So the angel gave him food. Three times it was cooked on hot coals fire. That's important because it happened to Peter from Jesus when he was inviting him back into community after the resurrection. And calling him in relationship with God. God is calling Elijah to himself. Verse 8b says he walked 40 days and 40 nights into the desert, the Sinai. And he gets the Sinai mountains where the Ten Commandments was given and he goes to a cave. Then he went into a cave, he spent the night, and the word of the Lord, it says, came upon him 
How are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? Asked God. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord your God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put all your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Only one left. That's a lie. Poor me, all alone, nobody around me to help. All idol worshipers. What can we learn from Elijah in this? There's at least five life principles that we need to understand and apply to our lives. First, we need to regain a godly balance in our lives. Verses five and six, it says, God didn't shame Elijah. Well, what are you doing here? He didn't shame him about that. He's, he's checking in. He's saying, why are you here? God did not say this, I'm gonna fix Jezebel's wagon. You can relax on that and take care of that. I'll take care of her. That's not what God said to Elijah. Three things he said is needed in this situation. Number one, listening to God intently. Number two, eat and drink well. Number three, rest and sleep well. Let's talk about listening to God intently. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then it's, he talked about a great and a powerful wind that tore up the mountain, splitting, shattering rocks before the Lord. But that's, Lord was not, it says the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then fire. God can speak. Have you noticed that God can speak through anything? Uh, animals, he can sleep, speak through earthquakes, fires, he can speak all kinds of ways. But this time he chose to speak through a gentle whisper. This has bothered me a bit. God can speak through many things, and here he chooses to whisper to Elijah. Why? The NIV says a gentle whisper. King James says a still small voice, a voice of breath, not a made of the vocal cords, but made of breath, a voice used by lovers of closeness. God wants Elijah to come close to him, to be his friend. He wants to love and encourage Elijah, not dispel information to him. God was amazingly tender in this wonderful picture of who God is. He wants to draw us close, even when we're, when we're challenged by fear. So God uses even our fears to draw close to us and for us to draw close to him. He loves us. Secondly, eat and drink well. I'm not going to take too much time on this. Many, many people are too busy to eat. Many people, and I won't say names or whatever else, they just kind of skip lunch because they got busy. So the angel comes back and says, you need something to eat. And by the way, you need something to rest. You need to rest. That's the third one. For many of us, it's a spiritual thing. The most spiritual thing we could do is go have a snooze, a rest. Many times we miss opportunities of rest. We break God's direction to us in the, past, in the Sabbath. We think, ah, we, not for me. I, I'm fine. I can handle this. We're wrong. We should be setting time aside to connect with God and our families and ourselves. Elijah was lost and he had forgotten who he was and he lost God's direction for himself. When you read the rest of this story, Elijah twisted what he thought was God's will for him, killing the prophets of Baal. God never told him to do that. So the Bible says, go back the way you came. Basically, God is saying, you need to go back and face your fears, not run away. God specifically says, I will go with you. And God never said, by the way, leave that Jezebel chick to me. I'll take care of her and I'll fix her wagon. It never says that. It says that life is still going to be hard, but God will use this as opportunities to build our faith and our leadership and all the good things of life. 
God basically says, you can and you will face Jezebel again, and you will win. Your faith in me, he says, will be proven, and your confidence in yourself will, will, will soar. Your joy and love of life will be restored. Notice that it does not say you're gonna feel better, because at times, sometimes it isn't about feeling better. Please notice that it doesn't say, don't feel afraid, because at times it's the right thing to be afraid. But in your fear, do not allow it to stop you from doing the very important things that he is asking you to do. So what has changed? Elijah's still serious, in serious trouble. King Ahab is still angry at him. So is Jezebel. They're still mad. The contract out to, is still out to kill him. What changed? Elijah changed. He was taken by the obedient call of God to action, and that is where God starts a great work in his life and through his life. We need to learn this. Thirdly, we need to remember who we are and whose we are and what God has called us to be and do. In 1 Kings 19:15, Elijah knew that he was a blessed servant of God. He was reminded that he knew that God spoke to him and through him. It also says that Elijah knew God creatively and provided for all of his needs, an angel feeding him. Elijah knew that God watches over him and protects him. All of these things he knew because God took time to whisper to him. Like many of us would do, we forgot all that God has worked into our lives. We forgot who we are and whose we are and that all that God has done through us. The fourth principle is to do what God is asking us to do. For a while, Elijah had forgotten his calling and who he was, but this chapter tells us that he started obeying God again, and the Bible says he found Elisha and started the mentoring process. And you know that later there are places where Jezebel was quite close to Elijah, but she couldn't get to him. God protected him. Elijah found out that he was again who he was again, and the process gave him just a glimpse of a new marching orders that God was giving him. Obedience breaks the cycle and starts us on a new trajectory of God's plan for our lives. We get to decide and focus on problems and fears and get too busy sometimes that, that, that we don't know what God wants us to do. So what is God asking you to do these days? What are you avoiding? What are you running away from? Baptism? service, a new job, small groups. We need to count on God's presence to help us through even other people. In 1 Kings 19, 18, it says, Yet I reserve 7,000 of Israel's, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Do you like the practical help God provides for us and through his people? It says that God reminded Elijah that he indeed is not alone. There's 7,000 others. They, you can be friends with these people and they can partner with you in life. Joshua 1.9 is one of the great texts that reminds me of this, how I'm supposed to deal with difficulty and fear. It's a text I leave with you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Allow me to tell you a little story of a mom and a dad from our church. They were trying to exp uh, explain to their daughter a uh, problem in, in daycare, how to handle it. One of the things that they said to her is God is always with her. He will protect you and guide you. And even when you can't see him, he's with us. And the mom was telling me how her daughter kind of accepted that quite readily as a child and said, okay, at the end of her time together, she's gonna, I'm going to go out to play now, she said. Come on, Jesus, let's go. 
Sometimes we as adults don't get it. It's kind of complicated things with our adult thinking. Come on, Jesus, let's go. Remember when one of our kids was young, uh, they were having problems with night terrors, awful. Will you talk to them about how Jesus is with you and protects you and can give you confidence against that? He'd come running, he'd come running into our room with his blanket and his pillow and lay down beside the bed on our Diane's side. One evening I got up in the middle of the night and I saw this wonderful picture of what was going on. He was laying beside the bed and Diane was laying on that side of the bed and her hand was down in his hand. It was just this wonderful picture of you're not alone. There's others who will help you. God uses others to speak to us. He loves us. As we conclude, let these texts wash over you today as I read them. Psalm 34.4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me, freed me from all of my fears. Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Isaiah 41, 13, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 118, 6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Psalm 56, 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends, transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Romans 8, 38. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has every and each day has enough trouble of its own. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Is anyone here lost in the balance of life, finding yourself tired and frustrated? Jesus is with you. Anyone here forgot whose you are and who you are and what God is calling you to do? Jesus is with you. You belong to him. Is there anyone here saying who needs to go back and take another shot at certain things, even though you're afraid? Go back the way you came. Anyone here need to get into a small group and connect with people? Because there's 7,000 uh, people who have not given themselves to Baal. Jesus calls you to himself. Amen? Lord, thank you for today. 
Thank you for the example of Elijah. Thank you in your word that you say he's just a man like the rest of us. It gives me courage. May your people be blessed by your spirit. And may we find our way often in the caves of life that you will speak to us and whisper. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.